Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's great to be with you and a real privilege uh, to have been asked to, to speak this morning. Um, let me begin with a question. Um, do you ever set out from church full of bold ambition for the week to come? You think to yourself, yes, yes, this is my week. This is the week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go into my workplace or I'm going to go home or to my local community and I'm just going to be full of light. It's going to be amazing. I just feel, oh. And I'm just going to be so kind to people. I'm going to be so gentle and so helpful. And people are going to say to me, what an amazing life you have. That's what's going to happen this week. The people around me, they're just going to say, what an amazing life you have. Is there a reason for that? I say, well, it's funny you should ask. I mean, I don't like to make a big fuss of it, but I happen to be a Christian. And they say, well, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just, tell me more. Do you ever leave church thinking, thinking that? Think, this is, this is going to happen. Maybe, is it just me? <laughs> no, I think I can see some people. I can see. You think, yes. And then you leave church, you're like, yes, this is the week. And does it ever not happen? <laughs> do you ever find yourself not being able to do what you think you'd love to be able to do? Um, do you ever find yourself, if we have this, uh, the, uh, a slide up, uh, next one up, and after that, here we go. Do you ever find yourself being rather defensive and selfish and anxious at work or at home? Or um, people-pleasing and, and, and overworking and, and, and overreaching, being a bit arrogant? Or find yourself being quite cross and controlling. And you think, oh, blow, that wasn't how it was supposed to work. Why is it? Why do I struggle to trust my colleagues at work sometimes? Or why is it that I can't stop work? Or why is it that I sent that angry email or that angry text message? Why did I do that? You see, it's all very well wanting to go out into the world and be a blessing and be a witness, but sometimes I think we hit what I'm going to call the heart barrier. We hit the heart barrier. And, and sometimes people see it anyway. People point it out to us, which is really, really embarrassing and not how, uh, not how it's supposed to work, but it's what happens. There comes a point in following Jesus, when unless we're willing to go deeper, we will make no further progress. Unless we're willing to deal with our our hearts, we will go no further. And it just remains at the surface of, you know, and and we can be in church like this, which is wonderful. But unless we're willing to go on that journey with God, then uh, we remain stuck. So the question is this, do I want to remain on the surface in following Jesus, or do I want to allow God 
to, to come into my heart and to make some changes. And so we've been invited as a church to work through uh, this material from the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity uh, called uh, Growing on the Frontline. And the way it's structured is, is uh, exactly to try and address some of these issues in our hearts that actually cause the behaviors that then play out in our workplaces or uh, in, our, in our homes or in our communities, wherever is our, our front line, where we're um, uh, living out our daily lives. Because what it cannot often do, if we go to the next one, is, is it looks like this. Actually, why, was I, why do I struggle to trust people? Well, actually, uh, maybe there's an emotion that's driving that, which is the emotion of fear. And that fear comes from a desire for security. It's because I felt that I wasn't safe and secure that I ended up acting in that particular way. Or why is it uh, that I, I couldn't stop working well, actually, there was an emotion behind that, which is the emotion of shame. What if I don't get the job done properly? What are people going to think of me? What if I feel shame? And that emotion of shame uh, is driven by a desire for approval. We want people to think well of us. It's natural to do that. Or why did I send that terrible email that I wish I could have drawn back through the internet, but it was too late? Well, because there was an emotion of anger. And that emotion came from a desire to be in control. That's what I mean about the heart barrier. That kind of stuff which is going on all the time under the surface in our lives. And it says in the book of James, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire. There's something inside us, says James, our desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's the work we've got to do. We've got to look into our hearts. Now, I'm going to give you an example of this, and Dan is going to help me uh, do that. So you'll need a chair, Dan, and uh, I'm going to illustrate this. So uh, I'm, going to say, I'm going to give you an illustration from my own life. Uh, what I want you to do, Dan, is just tap away relatively furiously at the keyboard. <laughs> um, so I had this thing uh, which I noticed in my own life, which I'm going to call the... Uh, <laughs> Good. Make sure you use all the fingers. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, which I'm going to call the 11 o'clock problem. So the kids are in bed, uh, and the night is going on, but my work is not finished. And so I'm sat there at the computer, tapping away, and my, my, my eyes are getting heavier, and I'm, I'm staring at the screen, and I, st I still want to keep going. Because I'm thinking, if I don't do this work... I'm going to fail. And so I keep working and working. And my body is crying out for rest. But I will not let my body rest. And this is my 11 o'clock problem. And just occasionally what happens is that it, it goes on and on into the night. And the work doesn't stop. 
I become tired. Next day, I'm going to be irritable. And actually, maybe I'm going to end up putting myself in a vulnerable position, end up misusing the internet. That is the kind of challenge we have, a behavior which is actually driven by our hearts. Thank you very much. You can leave the chair, take the keyboard. I'm going to call you back later. That's, it's a temporary. <laughs> OK, so the good news is, what is the good news? The good news is that Jesus has broken the heart barrier. Jesus Christ has broken the heart barrier. In Jesus Christ, God came into the world as a human, flesh and blood like you and like me. And he faced the temptations that we face. He faced the struggles that we face, and he broke the heart barrier. And we see it in the Gospels and in what we had read to us. And he offers a way out of the destructive patterns that come to work in our lives into a life of greater freedom and forgiveness. And maybe you're a Christian here this morning, and if so, God has a greater level of freedom for us to walk into. Or maybe you're not a Christian and you're thinking about it. Well, let me give you the invitation that Jesus gives, which is this. If the Son sets you free you will be free indeed. God is inviting us into freedom. And Jesus had this incredible uh, life. The behaviors we see in Jesus is a, a, a great generosity and a boldness and a gentleness. That's what he was like on his front line in his day-to-day life. But the reason his front line was so fruitful is because his heart was so free. That's where it all came from, for Jesus. And you can read the Gospels, if you read the Gospels backwards, if you begin with all the wonderful things Jesus did, incredible miracles and incredible things that Jesus does, read it back and you will see that it begins with a wilderness. It begins with Jesus doing the heart work that he has to do. It begins with breaking the heart barrier in the desert. And Jesus pauses. He pauses before going into his front line. And I'd just like to look at what happens when Jesus pauses like that, um, why it makes a difference, and what we might be able to do ourselves in a similar way. So we have these three temptations uh, read to us. You may, you may know them uh, b- before. Uh, the temptation of, uh, of bread, the temptation of um, being caught when jumping from the temple, and, and the temptation of uh, being offered power. So the first temptation, uh, I want to think about it like this. The first temptation that uh, is, is given to Jesus is bread... But what's really going on there is Jesus, of course, being so hungry, is when you're hungry, you are so vulnerable. And your body is crying out, I need something. And so what the temptation, what Satan is really doing to Jesus is saying, give in to your desire for security. 
The thing that you, that you want to make you feel secure, to make you feel, I have enough, give into that right now. Turn the stones into bread. But Jesus says, no. No, what I need is every word that comes from God's mouth, and I will not do that. And so the second temptation is about the temple. Now, why did, uh, why did Satan take Jesus to, uh, to a high place, to a high public place? Well, because if Jesus were to throw himself from the temple and God were to catch him, then everybody would see it. This would be a public demonstration in the heart of the capital city so people could see, yes, this is the one God approves of. And so Satan is really saying to Jesus, give in to your need for approval, that desire for people to like you and think well of you. But Jesus says no. No, we're not to put God to the test like that. And the third temptation, that Satan offers Jesus the whole kingdoms of the world, all the power, the, the desire to control to have some control, give in to that desire. But Jesus says, no, not by worshiping you. It says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so Jesus has this heart freedom. He doesn't have to give in to those desires. And because his heart is so free, that gives him an incredible ability to then follow God, to surrender to God. Because he pauses in the wilderness. He pauses and faces his desires. But then he surrenders to God. We sometimes think of Jesus fighting temptation. But I don't think that's quite what's going on here. He's not fighting temptation. He is surrendering to God. And there's a difference. And because he pauses and surrenders to God, then God gives him a freedom which I think is so attractive. It's so powerful, this immense freedom Jesus has. And we see it as he then goes and he blesses people and he serves and he, um, it all plays out on his front line. So here's the thing about temptations. Temptations are deviations. Okay. Temptations are deviations. They often promise the right thing or something like the right thing, but in the wrong way. So going by the wrong route. Uh, I don't know if you ever have this, if you're following a, a directions on your phone or in your car, and, it's, uh, and occasionally mine says, um, save 10 minutes by going another route. Have you ever had that? Save 10 minutes. I had once, save an hour. I was like, you don't pass that up. I was like, save an hour. I'm going to save an hour. I started saving my hour uh, until I reached a point where it was a straight line across a lake. <laughs> it's like, this is not going to save me that hour. And that's what temptations are like. They are deviations. They promise what we actually have a need for, but by a shortcut, which is wrong. So Jesus, you see, did need bread, if you think about it. The offer of bread wasn't the wrong thing. Jesus had a legitimate need for bread, and so do to you and so do, do I. 
But what he was offered was a shortcut. Fulfill your needs in the wrong way. See, God had a way to provide for Jesus. And his way to provide for Jesus was through the gifts of a network of women who supported him, as Luke tells us in his gospel. That was how he was going to meet Jesus' needs, not by Jesus taking matters into his own hands. The temptation was a shortcut. It was a deviation. And Jesus, although he didn't need people's approval, he did care about what people thought. And God also gave him encouragements through people. But that encouragement was not found through doing something impressive in the temple in front of the religious leaders. That encouragement was given to Jesus through a blind man by the side of the road who calls out to him, you're the son of David and I'm not going to stop. He received that encouragement through a a Gentile woman, a a non-Jew, who refused to take no for an answer because she believed in him. He received the encouragement through children who cried out on the streets. So God had a way to speak encouragement to Jesus, but it was not through um, that shortcut, not through that temptation. And Jesus actually does have a desire to influence the world to have, if you like, some control in the world. But the way to meet that desire was not through uh, doing a deal with the devil and bowing down to Satan. The way he took up that control in the world was to be willing to surrender everything, to submit himself to to the shame and the humiliation of dying on a cross, and to let it all go out of his hands. And that was how he became the king of the world. Only the person who is willing to surrender power is worthy to receive it. What I'm trying to say here is it is not wrong to have desires. It is not wrong to have needs. We are created as people who have needs And we have desires. But there is a world of difference between paying attention to our needs and being a slave to our desires. Desires are, if you like, uh, like dogs. It's not wrong to have a dog. I'm just going to say that. It's not wrong. I don't think it's wrong, is it? It's It's not wrong to have a dog. But you don't follow everywhere the dog leads. (laughs) And don't do what the dog does. (laughs) Yeah? Um, if, if that's a bit lowbrow for you, uh, let me give you a quote from Gregory of Nyssa, the, uh, the great early church theologian. All passions have not been allotted to human nature for any bad purpose at all, but according to the use which our free will puts them to. Supposing then that our reason, that is our minds, um, holds dominion over these emotions, then fear will only generate with us, within us obedience. And anger, fortitude. And cowardice will only bring caution. And the instinct of desire will procure for us the delight that is divine. But if reason drops the reins and is dragged behind like a charioteer who has become entangled in his car, then these instincts are changed into fierceness. 
Some wise words from 1,700 years ago. God made you a person of desire. God put desires in your heart. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. It says in the Psalms that you um, f- uh, satisfy our desires with good things. God made you a person of desire, but God doesn't want you to let your desires lead you in the wrong way. There's a brilliant book which is connected with this series uh, by a guy called Philip Sheldrake, and he says this, but can we always trust our experience of desires? We can if we befriend them and then test them rather than try to ignore them or bypass them. I have seen too many Christians pretend that they do not have desires, that they don't have needs. But it is not effective. It is fruitless, self-deluding, and dangerous to pretend that you don't have legitimate needs and real desires. Discipleship, following Jesus, isn't about locking our desires in the basement. It's about bringing them into the light. And what Philip Sheldrake describes as befriending them, but also testing them. And when we do that, um, one of the key things is to learn, therefore, to pause just to pause. We were thinking before about Jesus in the wilderness, pausing, before throwing himself into the work, pausing. So before we get to the behavior, is it possible for us to just to interrupt our day with a pause that says, hold on, why am I doing what I'm doing? What is the emotion which is at work in my heart right now? And what is the desire that lies behind that emotion? And is that behavior offering me a shortcut to try and deal with that emotion, but God could actually fulfill it another way, a way which is healthy, a way which is fruitful, a way that is wholesome? So that pause, that pause could be at the end of the day, doing a prayer called Examine, which is a, a, a kind of a reflection prayer. There's an app you can get called Reimagining the Examine. And it could be each day just, just reflecting on the day, just thinking, okay, what, what, was, what was my heart doing today? That pause could be keeping a journal and just writing down our prayers and reflections on the day. It's something you can't sort on a Sunday morning, folks. Just to be very clear, this is not something that can be sorted on a Sunday morning. This is something that requires a bit of thought, a bit of a practice of something, a habit of something. It could be talking with a spiritual director. It might just be noticing, just, just starting to pause in the, in, even in the middle of the day. For me, it was reading a book uh, called the... I, I, got this book, The Gift of Our Compulsions. Dan, I'm going to call you up for for part two now. Um, And um, I got this book about compulsiveness, and I read it compulsively, and and I I worked through it in detail, and I started to take notes, and a funny thing happened. A funny thing happened. As I started to reflect on, why does my heart work like this? What is it that I'm really after here? And why am I so compulsive 
about this part of my work. And what I started to do is just, if I could, pause you. I just thought, pause. I started to, I can only explain like this, to step outside myself and look at myself going, Mark, what are you doing? (laughs) But not just to look at myself with judgment and shame, but to look at myself with the love that God has. Now that's the difference. Because if you look at yourself just with shame and judgment, you're not going to change anything. But to step outside myself and look and say, do you know what? You are somebody loved by God. This is true for each one of us. You are somebody loved by God. You don't have to do things in this particular way. You don't have to take that shortcut. Uh, can we bring the, put, do the next slide? What's the next slide? I don't even know. No, after that one. And after that one. Here we go. Pause acknowledge without judgment what is happening here. Understand what are the unmet needs. What are the misaligned desires, desires that are just shooting in the wrong direction. And surrender. Um, And then do something else. Engage in something else that is acting out of love. If we could go back to the quote, sorry, Joyce, I'm taking all over these slides. We're just going on a little journey around the slides. Here we go. This is what the book says. She talks about when she was facing a compulsive moment. For a few moments, my unconscious mind reacted. Oh, my God, my compulsion is back. And right after this came a wave of self-hatred. What I have done, what have I done wrong for, to have it show up again? But this ancient reaction lasted only a few moments. And then curiosity took over. It feels like there's something inside of me that is very vulnerable and desperately needs my attention. Immediately what came to mind was the serenity prayer, but in an entirely new way. God, grant me the serenity of staying curious, the courage to be present for what is asking me uh, to be met, and the wisdom to keep my heart open. So I was reading this book and I started to pause, and the, the most strange thing happened. I mean, I, it really surprised me. I was literally just reading it and taking notes, and I literally found that God broke my 11 o'clock problem. It just, it just changed. And that was five years ago. And it's been absolutely different every single day since. Thank you very much. So... I want to invite us into that discipline. Like I say, it might be in a nightly prayer. It might be through talking with a spiritual director. It might be just as we reflect in the day, just to pause and allow God into our, into our hearts. Allow his love into our hearts and to see ourselves as God sees us and to bring our desires into the light where God can do a work of healing in us and a work of forgiveness in us and a work of freedom in us. Jesus has broken the heart barrier and his forgiveness can wash away every shameful feeling and every fearful feeling and every angry feeling. And then he can begin to give us a new heart 
And even though we still make mistakes and we still need to come back for that forgiveness, God wants to give you a new heart. And from that new heart, a freedom so that you can go to the places where he has called you, to your workplace, to your home, to your community, and you can shine with the light that God has shone on you. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.